0: Section 7 of A Collection of the Facts and Documents Relative to the Death of Major General Alexander Hamilton by William Coleman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 4. From a Boston paper, July 26th. Tribute of Respect to the Memory of General Alexander Hamilton. This day, the Committee of Arrangement respectfully give notice that the eulogy on the late General Alexander Hamilton will be pronounced at the Chapel Church at 12 o'clock. Those of their fellow citizens who are disposed to unite in paying this public respect to the merits and illustrious services of the deceased are requested to assemble at a quarter before 12 o'clock on the State House floor, and from thence accompany the orator to the Church. By order, J. Warren, Chairman. Thursday, July twenty sixth, 1804. Attention. The independent cadets will assemble at Faneuil Hall this morning at nine o'clock in uniform complete with white gaiters. The roll will be called at half past nine precisely. William shimmon O.S. Arrangements at the Chapel. The public are respectfully informed that all the galleries and a part of the wall pews on the lower floor in the chapel will be exclusively appropriated to the ladies. The first six pews on the broad aisle will be reserved for the military escort and all the remainder of the body pews on the lower floor for those who compose the procession. The forming of the procession at a quarter before twelve o'clock will be announced by the tolling of the chapel bell which will cease as soon as the procession has entered the Church. By desire of the Committee of Arrangements, Joseph May. Last Tribute of Respect In willing conformity to the resolutions of the respectable body of citizens who assembled on Friday evening last, we are happy in learning that the meeting this day at the new State House will be general, that no party distinctions will appear, and that our citizens universally will adopt the recommended badge of mourning on the occasion. The acknowledged preeminent services and talents of the illustrious deceased would have called for these marks of respect for his memory and regret for their cessation if the example of our cities of New York, Philadelphia, Wilmington, Baltimore, etc. had not benignantly beckoned us to follow. Foremost in every good work, the citizens of Boston, in the grateful homage they are about to pay, will still evince to the world that on great occasions they ever rise superior to party impulse, that they will recognize and reverence merit, services, and patriotism wherever they may be found, and that in native independence and genuine liberality, they are not inferior in any degree to the best citizens of any other portion of the continent to those who loved and revered Washington must respect the memory of him whom Washington respected as a friend, a confidant, a counselor. Those who esteemed tried patriotism as one of the most exalted virtues must weep over the bier of the patriot without reproach. And those who knew the dangers of the tented field when independence was the stake contended for, and are not unwilling to acknowledge services which were faithful to the end, Will not decline to strew roses over the grave of the soldier citizen and citizen soldier. The masters of such vessels as are lying at the wharves, as well as those at anchor in the harbor, will show their respect to departed merit by hoisting their colors half mast during the solemnities of the day. Same paper, July twenty seventh. Tribute to Merit. Yesterday was the day assigned for public demonstration of the esteem and respect of the citizens of Boston for the merits and illustrious services of the late General Hamilton. At half past twelve o'clock a procession was formed at the State House. It consisted of the Committee of Arrangements, orator, chaplain, his honor the lieutenant governor, judges of the Supreme Court, foreign consuls, strangers of distinction, and citizens, and included near one thousand persons. The procession moved through Winter and Marlborough Streets and a part of Cornhill and Court Streets to the Chapel Church, escorted by the independent cadets under the command of Major Pierce. The Throne of Grace was addressed in an appropriate prayer by the Reverend Chaplain of the House of Representatives, and an anthem suited to the occasion was sung, after which a eulogy on the character of the deceased patriot and statesman was pronounced by the Honorable Harrison G. Otis, Esquire. The Honorable Mister King and Judge Benson of New York, and the Honorable Mister Rutledge of South Carolina, were among the auditors at the chapel yesterday. Most of the public offices were closed, the flags of the shipping in the harbor were suspended at half mast through the day, and during the moving of the procession minute guns were fired from Fort Independence. Salem paper. Yesterday were performed at Boston the public and solemn ceremonies of respect to the memory of General Hamilton. At twelve o'clock a very long procession composed of the first characters of the metropolis and the vicinity moved from the state house to the chapel church escorted by the independent cadets, where after a prayer by the Reverend Mr. Kirkland in a very elevated strain of devotion and an appropriate hymn, the Honorable Mr. Otis pronounced an eulogy on the character of the deceased. Of this composition, which was delivered with the greatest effect, we can give but a faint outline. After a pathetic exordium, in which it was observed with felicity that the sod which was still wet with our tears for Washington was now to be disturbed to receive the friend of Washington, the disciple that leaned upon his bosom, Mr. Otis presented a rapid but glowing sketch of the life of General Hamilton. With this were necessarily intervolved all the great events of our national history from the commencement of the Revolution. A forcible appeal was made to the gratitude of the nation when the audience were reminded that, in addition to the many subordinate public measures of which Hamilton was the author, he first proclaimed the necessity of an amendment of the old Confederation, and that the address to the people for calling a general convention was the production of his pen. The unwearied patriotism which he displayed in promoting the adoption of the Constitution and the immortal work written with that view were next glanced at. The simplicity of his habits and his scanty but honest earnings on his quitting public employments were very happily contrasted with the rapacity and avarice of the generals and the financiers of the French Republic. Those unprincipled plunderers were called upon to disgorge their ill-gotten wealth, to quit their gorgeous palaces, and with shame to humble themselves before the simple tomb of Hamilton. His errors, for he was human, were also touched upon, but they were touched with the hand of a friend." The delineation of his character was executed with the skill of a master. Just praise, without the disgusting extravagance of flattery, but indeed what could be flattery of Hamilton, was bestowed with a generous liberality. In short, the performance in the whole was a most honorable testimonial of the distinguished virtues and resplendent talents of the departed patriot. This sketch, which we made from memory and under the disadvantage of an unfavorable situation in the Church— Will we are sensible convey a very inadequate idea of the merit of the composition, but we shall the less regret it as we trust the public will soon be gratified by the perusal of the eulogy itself. Albany Gazette, in compliance with the request of the citizens of Albany, discourses were yesterday delivered in several of the churches of this city on the untimely and ever- to be lamented death of General Hamilton. The concourse of people in the North Church was the most respectable and numerous ever before assembled on any occasion in this city, the death of General Washington only excepted. The Reverend Mr. Knott led their devotions, and in a discourse the most luminous and impressive, he contemplated, reviewed, and made an appropriate application of that sublime passage of holy writ, The beauty of Israel is slain upon the high places. How are the mighty fallen? From the Trenton Federalist In the early part of last week, the man who has covered our country with mourning, Colonel Aaron Burr, passed through the state of New Jersey on his way to Philadelphia, where, we are informed, he has had the hardihood to make a public appearance by walking in the open streets in the face of day. From Amboy, he was carried by some friend to Cranberry, and thence conveyed in a light wagon crossing the Delaware at Lamberton Ferry to Bristol in Pennsylvania. Stopping at a tavern a few miles beyond the Delaware, he was recognized by the honest landlord, who, unapprised of the desire of concealment, called him by his proper name. On this, he requested the landlord no more to make use of his name while he stayed at the house. These things we are enabled to state as unquestionably true in consequence of the correctness of the source from which we received them. How degrading to the majesty of our government that its second officer should thus be under the real or fancied necessity of travelling with studied privacy, through by roads, and in unusual vehicles. It becomes the man, however, who has extinguished the bright constellation of genius and worth himself to walk in darkness and obscurity it manifests some deference to public opinion and the energy of the laws. Whether the arm of justice would have been raised to stop him in his course, we know not, nor know we whether any measures will be taken to wash out the precious blood which stains the shores of Jersey. The path of duty we apprehend is plain. It is well known by him to whom is entrusted the dignity of the state, and if we are to rely on general promises of official faithfulness, he will follow it. The honor of New Jersey demands that its shores should no longer be made places of butchery for the inhabitants of New York and Pennsylvania. The balance. The heart of Crosswell vents its grief in the following pathetic strain. A tribute. From the editor of this paper, something more is due to the departed Hamilton than common panegyric and general economium. This a whole nation is bound to bestow. This, not a citizen of America, seems disposed to withhold. But to me he once rendered unequaled service, apart from that rendered to his country generally. In my defense, and in defense of the American press, he once exerted his unrivaled eloquence. In my cause, this greatest of men made his mightiest effort, an effort which might have palsied the uplifted hand of power, an effort which might have carried terror to the bosom of a tyrant. For this service, voluntarily rendered, I owed him a debt of gratitude which never could be canceled, never diminished. But by offering my feeble aid to the support of principles which he advocated, I hoped at least to show my sense of the obligation under which I was laid by his disinterested exertions. Alas, he is gone, and I have only returned him the professions of my gratitude. But his fame is left." Dear as my blood, my life shall be devoted to its protection. New England Republican Several editorial paragraphs and articles of news are omitted this week to give place to the correspondence which preceded and terminated in the death of General Alexander Hamilton. His funeral rites, performed on Saturday the 14th instant with every possible solemnity, do much honor to the citizens of New York. All know the cause of his death, and all will bear it in mind. Let the citizens of these states forever remember that his life was devoted to their service. Let them remember that it was through anxiety for their welfare that he gave the offense which was the cause of his death. He saw himself under the necessity of either permitting them to be deceived by professions which he suspected to be false, or in cautioning them against their danger of giving offense to their enemies. He did not hesitate for a moment. He cannot be suspected of being influenced by party animosity, nor of seeking promotion on the ruin of his adversary. He was then a private citizen, and his determination to remain so was unchanged. Seeing with concern the intrigues of men whose views he could not justify, in the frankness of his heart he uttered his fears, and for this generous indiscretion he lost his life. Yet the cause of his death must not be sought for here only but in that pride which could not brook a superior, that envy which sickened at his fame, that ambition which maddened with impediments, that spirit of revenge which counted not the price of its gratification. The hand raised against him was moved by a heart which never melted at his eloquence, and directed by an eye which lowered upon his excellence. Hamilton did not die by the hand of a Brutus. He commanded no power but the mild influence of his character. He headed no army but the Pacific legions of his virtues. He had never subjugated his country, nor by his approach to absolute power invited the offer of a crown. Yet he was branded a Caesar. His death was not the consequence of a recent offense. It had long been desired and a pretext long sought for. When Washington invited him to his confidence, when he conferred upon him marks of his esteem as he delighted to do, the heart which moved the hand against him sunk in envy. Alas, that private hatred should be able to deprive the world of such a mind as his, such a rare versatility of talents, such a group of mild virtues. Those who had before condemned the practice of dueling as inconsistent with religion and the laws of the land will now have an additional reason for their disapprobation. It has deprived his family of a husband and father, his friends of a cheerful companion, his profession of its proudest boast society of a benevolent and active member, his country of her bravest champion, and the world of an honest man. All this mischief was the work of private revenge. Newport Mercury. As the public appeared to be highly interested in the melancholy death of that eminently distinguished patriot and soldier, General Alexander Hamilton, We have appropriated a large proportion of this day's paper to the publication of those arrangements made in New York for his solemn interment, and for the general expression of that sorrow which appears to have pervaded all ranks and parties in the city. Want of room prevents our publishing the correspondence between General Hamilton and Colonel Burr before next week when the public shall be gratified by a perusal of all the communications on this subject by which it will very evidently appear that there existed in the mind of Colonel Burr a predetermined hostility and inveteracy of design which no language could assuage, no honorable concession could appease. Although we explicitly condemn the barbarous and unchristian custom of dueling so shamefully prevalent in our country, yet it affords us much satisfaction under this great national calamity to ascertain the pleasing fact that General Hamilton, with extreme reluctance only, under what he honestly conceived imperious necessity, was induced to waive his conscientious scruples against this unequal mode of terminating disputes, and that such was his conduct during the last solemn scene of his life as to induce a belief that he died at peace with the world and reconciled in sacred love to his God. Tis just to give applause where tis deserved, his virtues sure have stood the test of fortune. Like purest gold that, tortured in the furnace, comes out more bright and brings forth all its weight. How does the luster of this great man's actions, through the dark cloud of ills that covered him, break forth and shine with more triumphant brightness? The Connecticut Gazette. At Philadelphia, Boston, and other places we perceive that tributes of great respect are paid to the memory of the beloved and lamented Hamilton. An eulogy is to be delivered by Harrison G. Otis Esquire at Boston, and the citizens are recommended to wear crepe for 30 days. These citizens of Philadelphia assembled and passed several resolves honorary to the deceased, predicated on the following, that a national tribute of respect to the memory of departed heroes and statesmen not only excites an emulation of their glorious example, but constitutes the purest reward of their toils and their virtues and that such a tribute is justly due to the memory of Alexander Hamilton. The bells were tolled, the colors of the vessels were displayed half mast, and the citizens were requested to wear crepe on the left arm for thirty days. As General Hamilton, in point of national services, stood among the first of those worthies who achieved our independence, and contributed probably more than any other man to the adoption of our excellent constitution, his death at any time would have caused a general grief, but the premature and tragic manner in which he was torn from us has justly excited a national feeling of sorrow and indignation honorable to our national character and to the memory of the deceased. The loss of so many talents and integrity at this time is no common deprivation. Every citizen has lost a friend and every honorable man a brother. Consulting the sentiments and feeling of the public, We have appropriated a considerable portion of our paper to this interesting subject, and doubt not the approbation of our readers. The Norfolk Ledger Let us mourn, the good, the wise, the patriotic Alexander Hamilton, whose whole life was devoted to the service of man, from the exercise of whose talents this country has derived benefits of the most incalculable magnitude— his arm was exerted for our independence, his science in framing our constitution, his eloquence in attaining its adoption, his knowledge in originating our finance. And those blessings which he had so eminently contributed to obtain, he has ever shown himself the most forward to defend and insure. This great and virtuous man, who was the unchanging friend of his country, who was the invaluable friend of Washington, Died on Thursday, July twelfth, eighteen 1804, at the house of William Bayard Esquire at Greenwich, in consequence of a wound received from the Vice President of the United States. His memory will be embalmed with the tears of a nation. Same paper. Our country has never felt so severely the dreadful effects of dueling as it is likely to experience in that which we are about to announce. General Hamilton, a man deservedly dear to every worthy citizen of the United States, a man from whom this country has derived benefits more extensive and important than have been conferred upon her by any other man now living, a man who, viewed in the various relations of scholar, lawyer, soldier, statesman, and citizen, shown with unrivaled splendor, a man whose loss must fill every virtuous mind with the deepest regret Was, on the 11th instant at Hoboken in Jersey, wounded mortally in a duel with Colonel Burr, Vice President of the United States. Portsmouth Oracle Deep Lamentation Died at New York on the afternoon of Thursday last, General Alexander Hamilton of a wound which he received on the morning of the preceding day in a duel with Colonel Burr. Never was a death more sincerely and justly lamented, and his loss will be sensibly felt throughout the United States. In him were united the most splendid talents and the strictest political integrity. There was no man more universally beloved by those who knew him and in whom such unbounded confidence was placed. When the feelings of the public shall, in some measure, have subsided, we shall probably present to our readers a correct statement of the circumstances which produced this melancholy event— together with a tribute of respect to the unequaled talents and virtues of that great and illustrious character. Albany Sentinel A numerous and respectable meeting of merchants and other citizens of Albany convened at the city hall of said city on Friday last at six o'clock in the evening pursuant to public notice, in order to unite in expressing their sorrow and regret at the loss our country has suffered in the death of its first citizen, Alexander Hamilton. This meeting being opened, the letter from the Right Reverend Bishop Moore to the editor of the Evening Post was read, by particular request, and received with a solemn attention and highly grateful sensations, when the following determinations were adopted. We, the merchants and other citizens of Albany, impressed with a just sense of the merit attached to the character of Alexander Hamilton by his distinguished military services during the late Revolutionary War his eminent display of talents and services as a statesman, and his exalted principles of honor and integrity, do feel a deep sense of sorrow and regret at the untimely death of that truly great man, and we do unanimously agree to wear a band of crepe around the arm for the space of six weeks as a testimonial of veneration and esteem for departed merit, and as a badge of mourning for the loss experienced by our country in the death of so invaluable a citizen and we do further agree that the clergy of the several denominations in this city be waited upon in behalf of this meeting, and requested to preach a sermon in their respective churches appropriate to the solemn occasion. At a meeting of the gentlemen of the bar of this city, it was unanimously agreed to wear crepe for six weeks as a testimonial of their veneration and esteem for the talents and virtues of General Hamilton, and of the deep regret with which they deplore his death at a meeting of the students at Law of the City of Albany on the 20th of July, 1804, on the occasion of the death of the late Alexander Hamilton, Elijah Thomas in the chair, resolved unanimously that this meeting entertain the highest veneration for the character and a lively and sacred respect for the memory of the late Alexander Hamilton, and that in testimony of their sorrow for his untimely death, they will wear crepe on the left arm for six weeks. Tunis Van Vechten, secretary. Lansingburg Gazette. How sleep the brave. They sink to rest by all their country's wishes blessed. Tribute of respect. The citizens of Lansingburg and Waterford, having received the melancholy intelligence of the death of General Alexander Hamilton, met at Johnson's Hotel on Wednesday last in order to adopt some suitable method of expressing their deep regret for his loss and the high esteem and veneration which they entertained for his character. Cornelius Lansing Esquire in the Chair and John T. Close Secretary after some prefatory remarks by David Allen Esquire, in which the virtues of the deceased general were feelingly and impressively portrayed, the following resolutions were unanimously adopted. Resolved that this meeting do participate with their fellow citizens elsewhere in a due sense of the irreparable loss this state and the United States have sustained in the death of General Alexander Hamilton whose unrivaled talents, distinguished patriotism, eminent services, and unsullied honor rendered him the ornament of his country. Resolved also that as a testament of their respect to his memory, they will wear a crepe on the left arm for the space of 30 days. Resolved also that a committee be appointed to wait on the Rev. Samuel Blatchford, pastor of the United Congregations of Lansingburg and Waterford, and request him to deliver a sermon appropriate to the mournful occasion on Sunday next. And that Elijah Janes, Moses Scott, and David Allen Esquires be that committee. John T. Close, Secretary Northern Budget At a general meeting of the inhabitants of the village of Troy at Titus's Inn on the evening of 17th July 1804, resolved unanimously that the death of General Alexander Hamilton, whose unrivaled talents and unsullied integrity have exalted him above the reach of Eulogium, is an event to be deplored by all who admire intelligence or venerate worth. 2. That as a testimony of the regret felt by this meeting for the loss of a fellow citizen so amiable and illustrious, and whose death afflicts America and humanity, they will wear crape on the left arm for thirty days. Three, that a committee composed of N. Schuyler, William M. Bliss, and J. Osborne Esquires wait on the Reverend Jonas Coe and request him to deliver a discourse on the next Sabbath adapted to this solemn occasion. Derek Lane, Chairman; Jeremiah Osborne, Secretary. Agreeably to the request contained in the above resolution, Mr. Coe delivered on Sunday afternoon a discourse well adapted to the melancholy occasion, from Second Samuel, third chapter, and part of the thirty-fourth verse: "As a man falleth before wicked men, so fallest thou," and all the people wept for him. The gloom depicted on the countenance of a very numerous audience testified the general regret which was excited by the loss of a citizen so eminently useful and honorary to our country. The B. Democratic The death of General Hamilton has given his political adversaries, the Republicans, an opportunity of displaying a liberality and magnanimity we in vain look for to the Federalists. Laying aside the animosity entertained against his political principles and regarding only his unparalleled talents and accomplishments, the public bodies who have taken up the subject, though composed of republican and federal members, have unanimously joined in paying the tribute of respect to his memory. But eminent abilities and integrity are not the peculiar characteristics of contending parties, and when so great a man as Alexander Hamilton is suddenly taken off the stage of public action, we should, Let the good they do live after them. Testimony of Respect At a meeting of the inhabitants of the village of Allentown in the state of New Jersey and its vicinity, agreeably to public notice, for the purpose of mutual sympathy and condolence, under the calamity which their country sustains in the distressing and untimely death of her admired and beloved fellow citizen, General Alexander Hamilton, and for the purpose also of uniting in their humble but sincere and respectful tribute of admiration and gratitude, so justly due to his memory, his preeminent talents, his great and important services as a citizen and soldier, and his many and distinguished virtues, Captain James Brewer was chosen chairman and James H. Imlay, secretary, when the following resolutions were unanimously adopted. First, resolved that the great and distinguished services and talents, the many and eminent virtues of the late General Alexander Hamilton, have a just claim to the grateful acknowledgement, the high veneration, and the everlasting remembrance and esteem of his fellow citizens. Second, that however questionable may be the correctness of the judgment of the illustrious deceased, in acceding to the interview which led to his afflictive and premature death, We cannot but admire the purity of his motives and the magnanimity of his conduct, and it is with regret at a catastrophe so sad and disastrous the manner whereof adds accumulated woe to the bitterness of grief. We find ourselves constrained to declare that there appears no cause for the like admiration of the conduct of his adversary, nor any circumstances connected with that conduct which in any degree alleviate our sorrow or palliate so ruthless and vindictive a measure. Third, that in this afflicting dispensation of providence under which our country now mourns in taking from us our second father, General Alexander Hamilton, the intrepid son and companion of our beloved and venerated Washington in all the toils and dangers of the Revolutionary War, and his faithful and confidential friend and counsel in the organization and administration of the general government, We acknowledge the goodness of heaven in so far prolonging his life as to have afforded him the opportunity to declare his unequivocal disapprobation of the barbarous practice of dueling, and withal to seal and confirm with his dying breath his belief in the essential doctrines of our holy religion, thereby enabling him to his other excellencies of character to add the exalted character of a Christian, so that as he was in life ambitious only of doing good, and promoting the true and substantial interests of his country, in his death it has been his distinguished fortune and felicity alike to subserve this important and desirable object. For himself he had lived enough, to honor and glory; for his country, if her wishes and prayers had prevailed, he had ever lived, while superior talents, inflexible integrity, and distinguished virtue are estimable in society, nor had he fallen by the ruthless hand of violence and premeditated revenge. Fourth, that the Reverend Mr. Cornell be requested to prepare and deliver a funeral discourse commemorative of his memory and services, exposing the evils of the pernicious custom of dueling and enforcing also the useful and salutary evidence which the enlightened and comprehensive mind of the deceased hath given of the truth of the Christian religion. Fifth, that a copy of the proceedings of this meeting, signed by the Chairman and attested by the Secretary, be published in one or both of the newspapers of Trenton. James Brewer, Chairman, James H. Imlay, Secretary, Allentown, New Jersey, August eleventh, eighteen 1804. End of Section 7.